So our, our passage today in the call of Samuel is at a pivotal moment in the history of God's people. We don't always see it as such. We, we think of it as being the, the call of a, a prophet. And as such, we, we might just pop it in along with the other prophets and their call narratives that we hear, whether it's uh, Isaiah and the, the, the tongue of burning, uh, get in touch with the burning coal, or the call of Jeremiah, or the call of Jonah, who, of course, doesn't pay much attention to that call and runs away. We'll be thinking of Jonah next week in the message that he takes to Nineveh. But the call of Samuel begins a major step change in how the children descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will live. The time is roughly about 1100 BC. So it's about 300 years since God's people entered the promised land returned to the land of their forefathers. They crossed the Jordan. They took possession. But do they live God's way? We might consider it to be the time of the judges. And uh, that time of the judges is typified by the very last verse in the book of Judges. Judges 21, verse 25 says, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Right? There was no king, there was no ruler, and everyone just basically did what they felt like. And that's how things were in the time of the judges. And that's how it is here at the start of 1 Samuel. There's no king and people do what they feel like. Now, of course, there's the commandments that have been handed down through Moses. And those commandments, the Ten Commandments in particular, are in the Ark of the Covenant where Samuel was sleeping. And that's within the tabernacle, the the big tent that is the place of worship. And there are priests, a priestly clan, the Levites, who look after the the management of the tabernacle and uh, help people as they come to worship. Though if we'd read the chapter before, they don't necessarily help in a very good way. And they take food and they sort of roughly steal. And just like everybody else, they did as they saw fit. Even the priests. Eli is a priest. And he is a judge. 
and he is getting older and frailer, and his biological sons are getting ready to inherit. But they are not any better than wider society. They are not worthy of that position of priest. They see it as their birthright, and they abuse their place of power. They are there to lead worship, to supervise the offerings, to take the sacrifice. But they see those sacrifices as for themselves, not for God. This is the society that they're living in. Now, birthright and inheritance are fundamental to the idea of Abraham having uh, as many children as stars in the sky. And the tribes and uh, the way that the Levites are set aside as priests and the, the giving of the land, the dividing up between the 12 tribes, that is all based on inheritance. And yet, Inheritance often seems problematic in Scripture. The structure and abuse of the inheritance principle is the root of the issue between Jacob and Esau. And the lesson that is not learned there is present in the way that Jacob uh, favors Joseph, his 11th born son, over Reuben, his firstborn. And it is the key issue at hand when Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son, isn't it? In each of these accounts, there is an expectation founded in favor of greed, rather than recognition that all that comes, comes from God and must honor God. Samuel, this young child in the temple, is the one that bucks that trend, that goes against it. His mother, Hannah, had longed to conceive a child. She'd been desperate for a child, but had been unable to bear one. And yet, blessed by the Lord, Samuel is born. And in response, Hannah gave Samuel to God, handing son at a very early age across to Eli to grow up in the temple, to give glory to God. She'd longed for this inheritance, for this son, for this gift. And as soon as she received it, she gave him to God. To Hannah, Samuel is so precious, but her worship is great. And this is what will make the difference 
not simply in Hannah's life or in the temple, in the, in the tabernacle, as it is. It's actually a tent, not a building. But this will make a difference in how the whole people of Israel move forward. That there is one that is given to the purpose of glorifying God and seeing the kingdom change and seeing the word proclaimed and that sacrifice is true sacrifice. When what we have received, perhaps a gift or a pay rise, an inheritance, when we get those things, do we, do we see it as a blessing from God? Do we take it as something for ourselves? Do we see it as a blessing for God's purpose? Do we value it? Or do we take it for granted? Is our first thought, like Hannah's was, to give thanks and offer it to the Lord? It's quite challenging to think of, isn't it? The young Samuel grows up. He's still referred in this passage as the boy Samuel. He's, you know, probably not, not much more than 10. Otherwise, we'd be considering him to be a man. But he's growing towards manhood. And his adoptive father, Eli, grows older too. His eyes are dimmer, and at this time, of course, there are no spectacles. And there's no cataract operations. We don't know why the eyes are growing dimmer, though it's just through old age, as we all get used to. But we can do corrective things in our life for most of us. But his physical sight is failing and cannot be corrected. And it seems maybe his spiritual sight is failing too. Because of his wayward sons. Because of how things are in the land. Because although he is a judge and a priest... He's not doing anything that really brings forth change. He's not growing the kingdom. He's not discerning the path ahead. He's just distant from God. And we see something about that distance from God in how the passage progresses. Samuel is sleeping in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. He is in that holy place. He's spending his night there. 
in the place that is recognized as the presence of God. But Eli is described as sleeping in his usual place. That's not anywhere near the Ark of the Covenant. It's quite a distance away from where he is. And that's not a separation to maintain safeguarding, you know? It's indicative of society where everyone did as they saw fit. Not the camp bed, but the place that might be warm and comfy. He's a great distance away. When Samuel runs to Eli, it's not just because he wants to get there quick. It's because it's a distance away. He can't just speak and respond when he thinks it's Eli that's calling him. He has to run. You know, maybe it's as if it was through in the hall or maybe next door at Rycroft. You know, he has to go out there. He has to go there. Eli is not close to Samuel, nor for some time has Eli been close to God. The word of the Lord was rare in this time. Not because God did not want the young to see visions or the old people to dream dreams. Far from it. The word of the Lord was rare. Visions were rare because people did not come close to God. They went through the motions of coming close to God but they didn't come close to the Lord. Their heart is not in it. They're not humbly bowing before the Lord. They're not seeking to grow in the word by reading and interpreting the scriptures. They're not living in harmony with the word in a kingdom-like manner. This is why the word of the Lord is rare. And likewise, when we see the state of the world we live in, wars and rumors of war, when we look at our nation and the abuses of power seen in things like the post office horizon debacle, or the way PPE contracts were awarded during COVID, when we maybe even think of our own community, we might see things that show a going away from God, a turning away of people living as they see fit. That happens in churches too. People living as they see fit rather than in the way that the Lord might call them. If we want to see something more of God, it begins with how we each personally relate to God. Whether we read the scriptures, whether we pray, whether we serve in the ways we are able to 
for the growth of the kingdom of God. Christian community grows when people love God and love neighbor as they love themselves. It has an impact on the community around us. The community of the time of Eli saw what was happening at the tabernacle. They saw that the people of God were not living as God's people. So why should they? They live as they saw fit. The people of the time of Eli thought of self, not neighbor. They failed to live God's way. And so the relationship with God was strained. And the word was not known. Even in the temple. And we, we get that in, in verse 7. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. You know, he's growing up in the temple, in the tabernacle. Growing up in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. Sleeping there at night. And yet the word wasn't really being explored. No wonder society was in a mess. But with Eli's advice, something happens. And Samuel says, speak for your servant is listening. And as he grows older, he will continue to see himself as a servant. And he will listen as the Lord leads him first to Saul and later to David. Anointing them as king. The days of the judges are coming to an end. And the days of the kings are coming. Now we know that as years and decades and centuries pass. As one king hands on to another king. All does not remain well. As the crown is passed between kings. It comes a time again when. Those wearing it, those sitting on the throne, are no better than Eli's sons. Days will come again in the scriptures when the word of the Lord is rare. And there are not many visions. And the people will struggle. And that's because the inheritors of the throne of David drift away from what is good and right, unjust. Only when people are faithful does the kingdom grow. And so we have to be faithful. We have to be God's people. We have to read the word and spend time in prayer and love our neighbor as ourselves. Let each of us choose to be in right relationship. 
Let us grow as individuals and as the church as we seek the coming in fullness of Christ's kingdom, which has been revealed to us. For we have a God of love who did not spare his only son, but gave him that the world would be changed and that we can be forgiven and have new life. Amen.